Welcome to the Vineyard Altoona podcast. If you have any questions or just want more information, you can visit our website at vineyardaltuna.org or any of our social media platforms at Vineyard Altoona. And now, here's Jerry with the message. So how many of you have read anything by Dr. Martin Luther King? Raise your hand if you have. Oh, more than I expected. Go ahead, fam. All right, well, I really hadn't read a whole lot further than his I, had a, I Have a Dream speech. And you know the quotes that we post on Facebook on MLK Day that are generally taken out of context, but we post them and they make us feel good. And I say something's better than nothing. So that's the expanse of my MLK reading until last year. I read a book for a class actually called Strength to Love which is a collection of his sermons that he wrote during the civil rights movement. And what struck me most about, like, if you can imagine, he's preaching these sermons to his congregation, which is predominantly black. What struck me most is that over and over and over again, what he said was that justice lied in the hands of the oppressed. That freedom for both sides meant that the people who were being oppressed had to find the strength to extend forgiveness to their oppressors. And I thought, man, that is not how we do justice these days, right? I was just broken, thinking, like, we do a lot of really good things, but I think we're getting it wrong. And the way that we usually see justice these days is from the top, right? That we see power residing at the top with the money, and the influence, and the position, right? But the way that kingdom justice works, the way that kingdom power works is that it comes from below, where the humble are able to extend the hand of forgiveness and are able to love. And that is what kingdom power looks like, not that we would be from the top in controlling, but the people who are being oppressed can withstand and love even the oppressor, and that changes everything. And so justice and the idea of equality is really big in our world right now, right? Um, I think that over the past few years, we've recognized that there have been some things that have grown in humanity that are not very nice, right? And so people get really worked up about this, rightfully so. Justice is close to God's heart. And the way that we see justice usually is that there's two sides. There's the oppressed, the people being oppressed, and the oppressor, right? And often what we see in the world is that the oppressor feels that they have to push the oppressed down so that they can come up, right? Power over and above other people. And so we can see this really clearly in what's happening in Ukraine right now, right? Vladimir Putin decided that Russia needed more power, more resources, more strength. And so in order to do that, he had to press down on Ukraine. Russia had to come up, and in order to do that, Ukraine had to come down. We can see this also in civil rights, right? The people in power wanted more power, and so in order to do that, they needed to oppress, push down African Americans, right? Power over and above other people. In order for me to have what I need, you need to have less right? Do we see this? That the scales have to be uneven. But what we see 
justice done right, if we all throughout his book, Martin Luther King talks about not the scales being pushed the other way, which is what we usually see, right? In order to get the oppressed to have more power, we think, well, we have to push down the oppressor. So we have to switch it so that the oppressed is higher and the oppressor is now down. And this looks a lot of different ways, right? We, we berate people who we perceive are the oppressor or we you know, don't shop at their stores or whatever the thing is that the oppressor now has to come down so that the oppressed can come up. But what Martin Luther King says over and over again is that real justice is done when the scales are even, right? That not someone has to have power over and above someone else. We bring the oppressor up and all can experience the love and freedom of Jesus. That that's how true kingdom justice is done. We don't always see it done that way. And so we've been in the book of Isaiah in our series called Exchange, and we've, talking, we've been talking about exchanging what we have, which is generally broken and twisted and not quite right, for that which Jesus has, which is whole and complete. And so today we're going to talk about exchanging our ideas of social justice for God's kingdom justice and what that looks like. Would you pray with me? God, I just really have a sense that you do have freedom for many of us today. And throughout worship, I kept praying, God, would you tear down walls? And then Jeff started saying, would you tear down walls? And God, I just ask you publicly, would you tear down walls in your name? God, places where people have walled themselves off, places where people have self-protected, places where people have not let you in, would you tear down those walls miraculously by your power today? God, I pray that people would walk out of here recognizing that somehow, maybe they don't understand it, but somehow they're more free. Come in power this morning, God. I pray that your words would be said and not mine. Do your work. In Jesus' name, amen. So today we're going to be again in Isaiah chapter 61, verses 8 and 9. <clears throat> and it says, For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness I will reward my people and make an ever everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. And so the situation that Isaiah finds himself in is that he's been talking about this destruction of Jerusalem, that the Israelites are in the land and they are just doing what they want. They're not bringing the proper sacrifices and they're not honoring God. And so Isaiah, the prophet, speaks to them and says, because of your disobedience, you're going to experience judgment, and you're going to be exiled. But throughout the book of Isaiah, it sort of goes back and forth because what Derek has talked about throughout the past weeks is that the final word with God is always hope. It's never judgment. And so in Isaiah, we sort of go back and forth between you're going to experience judgment because you're not doing things the right way, 
and the mercy of God and the comfort of God and that he's going to rescue them. We go back and forth in the book of Isaiah, and as we read in verse 8, God is reminding them of his character. He says, I love justice. That's why we're seeing this back and forth, because I'm a God of justice. It's almost an explanation for what's been happening, I think, that I love it when the scales are even and everyone can experience freedom, and that takes a little bit of give and take. God really does care about the world he created and the people in it. And so if we, Jesus followers, are going to be people who bring God's justice in the world that brings everyone in community, we need to figure out what's the source of that justice. And I guess my question is, is it our resources? Often we think yes, that if we give enough money to a cause, If we work hard enough for a cause, if we scream loud enough on Facebook, if we berate the person that we think is the oppressor enough, if we hold enough signs along the side of the road, then that's the thing that we should do. Is that the source? Is our resources the source of kingdom justice? Now, don't get me wrong. These things aren't bad. Don't mishear me. I'm not saying don't say what you think to be true. We are people of justice. I'm saying that it's incomplete, that it's a quick fix often, and it's not the source. Our resources are not the source of kingdom justice. And I think we know deep down that all that we have is not enough, right? We know that if we give all of our money to a cause, it's probably not going to completely change the face of the world, right? We know that we can't Do it in ourselves. So what's the source of kingdom justice? The end of verse 8 says, In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. Jesus is the source of kingdom justice. Jesus is the one, all throughout the book of Isaiah, who brings peace and prosperity to Israel. Jesus is the one who brings peace and prosperity to the world now. All of the things that we see that we know are not quite right, Jesus, in some sense, is the answer to those things. True and lasting justice can only be done as it springs from life in Jesus. Our efforts to bring justice in the world will only ever be band-aids if they're not connected to life in Jesus, which transforms everything. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus gets up in front of the congregation and reads Isaiah, the beginning of Isaiah 61. And I know we've read this over the past few weeks, but I really just don't think it can be overdone. So we're going to read it again. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is what Jesus is saying. Because he has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To let the oppressed go free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he sat down and he said, all of this has been fulfilled in your hearing. So what does that mean? 
does that mean that in that moment, sin was gone and there was no more brokenness? That this happened around 30 AD. So in 30 AD, there was no more sin and now we just live in this peaceful time where there's no more sin. That can't be what it means because in the next chapter of Luke, Jesus is casting out demons and healing lepers. So that can't be what it means. But what it does mean is that in Jesus, everything has shifted. That the way Jesus enacted justice was by looking at all the brokenness and gathering it up in himself and then under the weight of it and holding all the brokenness in the world, he died. And it died with him. The power of all of those things died with Jesus. It means that the tides have shifted. We still see the effects of sin. So did Jesus. We still see brokenness in the world, but something fundamentally changed when Jesus came. He took the sin and brokenness and he died. But not just that, he came back to life. And he gave us power by the Holy Spirit when he ascended into heaven to do that kingdom justice here and now. We are made to follow in his footsteps and do kingdom justice. And what that means is that because of what Jesus did, we can look at the end of the age. Jesus came and died, came back to life, went to be with God, but he's coming back. And when he comes back, he's bringing heaven with him. We've been singing, and Evan's been talking about that all morning. That when Jesus comes back, he's bringing the kingdom of God back with him. Where the scales are even. Where freedom really lives. And people can be free to love, to be in community, to love Jesus, to be in community with Jesus and each other. In the kingdom of God, there's not only equality, but there's love. There's not only enough for everyone, but there's mutual sharing and giving. It goes further than the band-aids that we put on justice here and now. True justice is not just making things right. It's transforming the places of pain and oppression into mutual love and peace so that freedom can reign for the oppressed and the oppressor, both alike. It's much deeper than what we normally see. And I think as I say that, we all know that we can't make that happen. I am very aware that I do not have, I can't even make my son listen to me. Like, I am very aware that I do not have that power in myself. But the good news is that God is already doing it. God does have the power to make all things new again. And we see that, don't we? We see people be healed, either instantaneously or slowly. We see things, money work out where it shouldn't have worked out, right? We see people come to know Jesus and walk out their life so that they can experience freedom. We see that but we still see the brokenness. What we can do is join in God with what he's already doing. We say that a lot here. We're going to join God in what he's already doing because we don't want to do it ourselves. I've just said that we can't, right? And so it's our job to figure out, to look around at the brokenness in the world and really see it 
not turn away from it and saying, well, God's going to fix that someday. Like, it's for us to really see those things, but to reach into the kingdom of heaven and bring it back to say, God, what does it look like for this broken situation? What does this look like when your kingdom comes? And how can I move in that direction now? How can I take a little step forward toward your kingdom coming here? That's what kingdom justice is. And only by that power can it be lasting and real. And so what does this look like functionally? I'm kind of up here, and so let's bring it down a little bit. It looks like really seeing the pain and brokenness that we experience in this world and not turning a blind eye to people who are hurting. But it also looks like really seeing the goodness and the freedom that God promises us and that Jesus put a down payment on and will bring back to us when he comes back. I think most people get stuck in either one or the other, right? Most people are really able and in touch with seeing the brokenness in the world. Or they don't see the brokenness in the world and they're just waiting for the manifestation of the thing to come and it's already done and all of that. But we are called to live in the tension. To really see the pain and to really believe in the goodness of God and say, God, what does it look like for this situation when your kingdom comes. And so we are called to stand in that gap, just like Jesus did. We are called to grieve with people and help them carry their pain and really believe that God can do something in that moment that moves that situation more toward what it would look like if the kingdom of God came fully. It means we really have to get God's heart about what restoration looks like. And we can't do that if we don't spend time with him. If we don't know the character of God, we can't imagine what it would look like. Or maybe we can, and it's not quite right. We have to be spending time with God and asking him, what does that look like, God? Help me see it. And so maybe your heart is really broken for the things that are happening in Ukraine. And what you can do is pray and ask God, what would it look like for both of these parties to be free? To be really and truly free. What would that look like, God? What does it look like in your kingdom for Russia and Ukraine to coexist? What does that look like? What does freedom look like for both parties? And then you can move in that direction if we can see what God's kingdom vision is, God, help me see how to move it in that direction. What can I do from here that would benefit, that would move that situation in the direction of your kingdom? Maybe you have a heart for at-risk mothers who might abort their babies or end the babies. I know that some of you here, I've had these conversations. And so you can say, God, show me what it looks like in the kingdom of God for mothering? What does it look like to have a child that's free and full of your life 
And as we get that picture, we can say, God, how can I move in that direction? How can I get behind what you're already doing in this situation that seems really hopeless? Help me to take a step toward what you've already promised, the kingdom of God coming in this situation. Maybe for some of you, it's like really close. Maybe this is your own life. Maybe you've experienced family that um, is abusive or your family now is abusive and it feels really, really hopeless and you feel really, really alone. You can ask God for what it looks like in the kingdom of God. When all things are right, when the scales are even, when people are freed up to show up the way they'd like to show up in the world, what does that look like and how can I move in that direction? God, what are you already doing that I can just get behind and walk toward? True kingdom justice is done when people are set free and find life-transforming love in being subject to Jesus. It's true kingdom justice. I want to wrap up here with a little story from my own life, which I think sort of ties this up. Um, For some of you, you might not know that I am half black. So I'm half black and half white. My dad is black. My mom is white. So for some of you, you're probably like, oh, that's what it is. (laughs) Like, I walk into rooms and people are like, what is the vibe? I don't know. Um, And I have one of those faces that people often just assume I am what they are. If they're brown, they assume that I am that thing. And so I've had multiple people come up to me and just start speaking in Spanish um, because they think I can speak Spanish. And I wish I could, but I can't. I took three years, I don't remember anything. But um, I I really wish I could. So that's, that's a bit of my story. And I was born and raised in Altoona. If you don't know this, Altoona is 93% white. And so what that means as a brown girl growing up in Altoona is that I knew I wasn't white, right? And I had had people tell me that in multiple occasions throughout my life. I certainly have not had anything scary happen to me, but I did have friends who whose houses I was not allowed to go to because I was a brown girl. And so because of that, I sort of decided, I didn't really choose, but I had thought, you know, I am black. So I I have identified always as a black woman. And if someone asks, you know, what are you? That's what they say. Sometimes I try to, you know, I'm a child of God. Like, I know what you're asking. I just like to play with you because it's fun. And so I I have always identified as a black woman, okay? And then I I moved away from Altoona to Columbus, where there's lots of different people, all kinds of people, all different colors and nationalities. and, um, And I had a few black friends tell me that I wasn't black, that when I identified as black, they would say, you're not, you're not really black. And what they meant is that you have not experienced the things that I have experienced. What they meant is that because you are sort of confusing, because you're light and you can pass in different places, you have not been instantly looked at and pushed out. What they meant is that you have some privilege that I don't have, and that is really true. The fact of the matter is that I get to sit in rooms that some people would not get a second in. That's really true. 
But I was so confused because I'd always been a black woman. And then I got to Columbus and I wasn't black anymore. And I didn't know what to do. That was hard. And so I brought that to God and I was like, what am I? And he said, you're mine. And it doesn't really matter. And so I lived into this identity of a child of God. And that was beautiful and full. And it could have stopped there. And it did for a while. For a while, I just didn't go to places. I didn't call myself anything, which is kind of hard because people do ask me what I am. Um, and so I've, I felt like I had to sort of give this long explanation or almost apology for who I was when I was asked that question. And I could have done that my entire life. That felt like some justice to me. That felt like some freedom to me because God told me that I was his and that it didn't matter. And so it didn't matter what people thought of me and that could have been enough. But a few years ago, God asked me to push in a little more. The Vineyard has recently, the Vineyard USA, I don't know if you know that we're like a global family of churches, Vineyard USA has decided to push into diversity some more, um, and so they created associations for generalized, generally marginalized groups. One of them is the Black Pastors Association. It had been going on, um, and I didn't press in because I wasn't sure if I was allowed there. I didn't know if I could come. And one day God said, you need to go and talk to the leader of the Black Pastors Association. He happened to be, we're at a meeting, he was there. And he's this giant black man. You cannot miss him. He sits in the front row everywhere he goes. Gino, he's amazing. Um, so I very sheepishly walked up to Gino and I said, you don't know me, but I'm half black and I'm half white. And I feel like God is asking me to come to the Black Pastors Association meetings, but I don't know if I'm invited. And he said, who told you you're not invited? I said, no one told me I'm not invited. He was going to fight them. Um, (laughs) That's just his character. Um, I said, no one told me I'm not invited. I just have this sense, like, I don't belong. And he said, we want you. And so I went to the first meeting, and to be really honest, I walked in feeling very, very small. I'm not small in many rooms, but in that room, I felt very small. I made myself small. I felt like they were sizing me up and wondering what are you, you know? And maybe they weren't. I didn't ask them, but that's what I felt like. And so I just kept showing up in the meetings, and it was very hard, and it was very clear that there was this rejection inside of me that I felt every time I showed up, but I kept showing up because God asked me to. That the Band-Aid of fixing, of just knowing that I was his, was, was not enough, that he wanted more for me. And so for a few months, I'd been going to the meetings, and then last month, There was a Zoom meeting, and so I don't know these people very well. I've just only recently met them, but we were on a Zoom call, and there was 30 African-American pastors on the Zoom call, which is a lot on Zoom, lots of faces. Um, And the way that it starts is that we go around the group and talk about, like, how are you doing? And it got to my turn, and I had had a rough week. And so I said, I'm okay By all rights and purposes, if I look around, my life is going great. My kids are great. My marriage is great. My church actually is really great. But sometimes pastoring is hard. And this has been a hard week. And I wish that the buck stopped with someone else, but it doesn't. It stops with me. 
So I'm having a hard time. That's all I said. And Gina was like, I think we're supposed to pray for you. So they spent probably 10 or 15 minutes of their hour meeting, these people that I really don't know, praying and prophesying over me, these black brothers and sisters, and calling me sister, and, and saying things like, I really see this for you, or God's going to grow you, or all of these things, and they didn't know me, and they took their time to do that. They welcomed me in, and as I left that meeting, I thought, wow, I'm a different person. That thing of rejection that I knew was there was broken off in that moment. That is kingdom justice. It takes longer, but it's more complete. Kingdom justice is not enough just to fix problems. Kingdom justice touches and transforms every part of your life. And that's what we're called to do. Thank you again for choosing the Vineyard Altoona podcast. We're so excited to see how God will release his kingdom in and through you today for the glory of Jesus Christ. With this, be blessed, and we'll see you next time.